Hello, and welcome to the M&A Stories podcast. I'm Robert Heaton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Toby Tester. These 10-minute podcasts are focused exclusively on post-M&A integration. And in each episode, we will talk through case studies and draw on our own experiences with the intention of highlighting the good, bad and the ugly to leave you with valuable lessons on how best to ensure success in your M&A integration. So let's get this podcast underway. Hi Toby, how are you today? (laughs) Very good, Uh, very good Robert. What's it like up in Sydney? It's a beautiful sunny day. We had rain up here, but look, it's just like classic Sydney, typically really an Australian day, just blue skies and it's good to be in this part of the world. Let's put it that way. Well, I can tell you it's classic Melbourne today. It's cold and it's wet. <laughs> is that four you seasons can, in one day, is it? <laughs> I was going to say, you can imagine by 11 o'clock it will be brilliant sunshine. And, okay. You know, but, uh, yeah, we've certainly got the cold weather coming through. <laughs> so, are we ready for uh, our next podcast? We are indeed. And in that regard, Robert, you know, this is actually a continuation from last week. And we were talking about true or false, dispelling myths around M&A. And, right. you know, we, we, had a, we had a first part and, you know, we had three myths from last week. And that was, which I think we dispelled quite nicely. And I'll just rattle them through. So one was mergers and acquisitions just for the big boys. That was one. And we dispelled yep. that. Then we had M&A is way too complex and too high risk. And I think we did a good <laughs> job dispelling that one too. Yep. And the final one was acquisitions. And this is it. M&A does get a bad name, I must admit. Acquisitions never achieved the success they imagined. And look, we had those three from last week. And I think we did a good job dispelling those. But I've got three more. And this is the part two of this. Three more okay. myths. And I want to ready this one, Robert. I just want to see how you're going to respond, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just interested to see how you, how you respond to these. But... Here's another one, which I, which I kind of love. It's a bit of a classic, but, you know, see, see how you go. Myth number one, don't worry about integration until the deal is done. What do you think, Robert? <laughs> That's false from my point of view. You're kidding me. <laughs> I uh, don't believe uh, you. <laughs> Why? Well, uh, this, is one of my, this is one of my pet subjects. You know, when, when you make an acquisition of a business, you need to have a vision about why you're making that acquisition. You need to have some consensus of idea of what value is going to be achieved from that acquisition. And you've got to understand how that value is going to be materialized. And so you've got to think well past just getting the deal done. I mean, yes, getting the deal done itself is hard, but integration's harder still. And it's the one part where you are really going to operationalize all those benefits. It's the part where value creation is either won or or lost. And if you don't pay attention to that pre-deal, then your likelihood to be buying a a lemon in, in some ways. Let me just give you one very simple example off the top of my head. Yeah. You imagine 
making an acquisition that looks good on paper, but you haven't taken any consideration for, let's say, cultural differences between the two businesses, that can, that can turn your deal to stone. And integration itself covers a, a, a huge range of areas. You might have made this deal for good, let's say it's allowing you to expand into a new geography or a new market that you haven't penetrated yet. Great. Yeah. So great strategic reason. But in order to make that happen, you've got to integrate systems, you've got to integrate marketing, your customers on both sides have got to be part of the consideration. Uh, you've got to think about how you're going to compensate sales teams, mm. whether you're operating from their facilities or whether you're all going to operate from your current facilities brand. It, yeah. it, it just goes on. So in my book, integration starts during due diligence right right and normally my advice would be when you're reasonably sure this deal is going to go ahead that's where integration planning starts right and in my book before you sign that deal you should at least have the first hundred days bolted down you should understand who's going to be involved in that process. So people from your own team, you need to involve them, as well as any external resources. And you need to be clear about what outcomes you're wanting from that. And you need to hold people accountable for that, because that really is it. If if you're going to sign the deal, let's pick a figure, $60 million deal. You're going to sign $60 million away without actually thinking about how you're going to get a return on that investment and how that's going to be realized. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's In other words, you're paying the money, but you don't know actually how you're going to get the profit out of this. It's like you haven't got a plan. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You haven't got a plan. And yeah. as you can tell, I'm passionate about this. That's one of my pet topics. All right. So, so maybe... <laughs> So myth number one, don't worry about integration until the deal is done. It is busted. (laughs) Blasted. Okay. All right. We've done that one. Now the next one. Okay. Ready for the next one, Robert? So you see how you respond to this one. All right. Yeah. Myth number two, only the CEO and the CFO should be involved in the deal. True (laughs) or false? (laughs) Definitely false. Okay, but look, it's funny, I've heard this one before, and I've seen it a couple of times too. So I'm interested in your response. There's a balance, right? Now, in the early stages of considering an acquisition, you've got to be careful that information doesn't leak out. Uh, And so there's a confidentiality that needs to exist in the early days. Okay. And in most cases, yes, that is restricted to the board, the CEO yeah. and, and often the, the group CFO. Right? Yeah. And, and sometimes you, know, you might sign a confidentiality agreement or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a certain part of what I call early deal consideration where the, the less people that are involved, the better. Yeah. Right. But you reach a point where that momentum gathers pace and you are in conversation with the other business and you've confirmed that there's agreement on their side to go ahead Hmm. now you need to really start bringing other people in 
from other functional areas of the business. Right. Uh, and, and I'm still talking early days of the deal as well. Right. Are you uh, saying before uh, due diligence or what, what's, what's oh, timing-wise? Yeah. Well, it depends. You know, again, this, this comes back to whether we're talking about a hostile acquisition or a friendly acquisition, but irrespective Let's just say that we're going to make an acquisition, and I'll use the previous example. We're doing that so that we can enter a new geography and a new customer sector. Yeah. Right. Well, it'd be a damn good idea to involve your VP of sales in that process. Would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? He would have some insight into how you might go about that and some of the traps that might be in, in, in the way. Yeah. And if you're going to launch into a new geography uh, and a new segment, then then marketing and product management might also be people that you might draw in. Sure. Now, th- there's, a, there's a balance here. You might not turn around and say, hey, listen, guys, we need your advice because we're going to be taking over Toby Associates in the future. Yeah. Right. But you bring those people in on the basis that you are considering an acquisition. You get them to be part of that uh, confidentiality, that inner circle, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. But they can they can bring valuable insights and questions that you might not have considered as CEO or CFO. Yeah. Um, and it, it can impact the way that you approach what you're prepared to pay for that business. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Okay, so, go on. No, I was going to say the other side of it, of course, is if you involve those key people early on, Mm. then then you've essentially got that continuity we've just talked about so that you can start then thinking about how you're going to achieve the vision and the expectations you've set out in the first place. Right. So, Robert, if I can summarise, myth number two, only the CEO and the CFO should be involved. The response from you is? Busted. (laughs) Busted. False. Yeah. Yeah. Not true. Okay. Well, look here, Rob, I think personally, I've given you two easy myths. Actually, I think they're they're easy ones. I'm going to come up with another one, which I think is going to be a bit tough. And I'm going to be interested to see how you respond with this one, because I'm going to see if I can trip you up. Uh, So... Myth number three, this will be a merger of two equals. Is that (laughs) true or is that false? Have you heard of it before? Merger of two equals. It's true and false at the same time. I'm interested in your take on this one, Robert. This is an interesting one because I hear of this quite often and it really does get me scratching my head. Yeah, it's it's a complex one to unpack, but I'll try and keep it simple. I mean, the first point is that ideally, if you're making an acquisition or a merger, you want to be looking at businesses that are roughly the same, same sort of size as you or smaller, if it's a strategic reason for doing it. Right? You, you don't want to get caught trying to make an acquisition that's too big to handle, and, and some companies often do. But that's not really the, the catch in your question. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, it reminds me of the animal farm quote, you know, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and, and that's going to be the same in any acquisition or merger. 
you know yeah. the, the the concept that we're oh we're both equals you know imagine trying to run a merged business with two ceos yes but i've heard of it though i mean you know i mean to oh, as, yeah and i think as long as it stays in the theoretical textbooks it's fine yeah yeah but yeah. um in reality differences emerge fairly quickly and then the true equality between different organizations tends to come to the surface Uh, and that's particularly evident as they start to work together and you get you know a divergence of preconceptions strengths and weaknesses manifest at every turn yeah even the vision that you envisaged you were going to have can sometimes get diluted on one side or the other yes the, the reality is that when you put one plus one together, you want the equation to equal three. Yes. In other words, the combined sum of the two gives you greater benefit than the sum of the individual parts. Mm. But in doing that, change becomes a constant. And some, you know, it might just, I'm just going to take something that's just dropped into my head and I'm thinking of an, an example of a, an acquisition I did oh, some years back now. It actually turned out when we looked at the geographic placement of all of their premises and our premises together, right, uh, it was obvious we needed to rationalise that and condense it down to a sensible number. But when we actually started doing that and we looked at leases and we looked at longevity and et cetera, et cetera, it turned out we got rid of more of our businesses than theirs, right? Because that simply made sense. So it's fine to say merger of equals in practice, you know, in, in theory, yep. but in practice, there's got to be a single lead. Yeah, it's got to, I agree. There's got to be one person at the helm. There's got to be somebody in the driving seat. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what? as my old boss was often favoured at telling me he needed one throat to choke. <laughs> one throat to choke. <laughs> you know. <laughs> my, it's an element of trepidation my, there. Oh, yeah, well. He, one throat he, he to also, choke. He, he also used to remind me that he got a safe in his office with a velvet cushion in it, and a yeah. certain part of my anatomy was in that safe. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, it's it's very much about accountability, you know, Um, and I think I agree with you. It's it's true and false because like I think in a a rhetorical sense, it sounds great, you know, to say merger of equals. It's good to say that theoretically, but in practice, you know, it it doesn't work that way. Uh, No. And and let's just look at the positives of uh, a a merger or a, a coming together of equals. If you can create an environment in your business where you've got consensus of opinion and respect in the integration team and a good working relationship with the operational management of the businesses yeah uh, to some extent you you can have that principle at play but as you go through the integration you know on on certain factors one side may come out more dominant the other yeah. As long as you get the best outcome that drives the greatest value from the two combined entities, that's really the goal you should be aiming for. Sure. Yeah. 
no, I, I agree, I agree. Rob, yeah, it's good. And I think, Robert, look, maybe if I just stop. So myth three, there will be a merger of two equals. Our response to that one, or your response, I should say, and I agree with you, is it's true, but it's also false. Um, yeah. So we've got, yeah. got to, yeah. And so, look, maybe if I just summarize, and, you know, I think, I think that covers it. Three myths this week. Myth number one, don't worry about integration until the deal is done. Busted. False. Yep. Yep. Myth number two, only the CEO and the CFO should be involved. Busted. Busted. False. Myth number three, there will be a merge of, of equals, two equals. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of myth busters, how they said it. What did they say when there was always like, you know? I, they... I, I was trying to think the same thing. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you, when you not... got when you got to bob both ways. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not proven, but as no. a principle, approaching it so that you've got uh, a good balance of resources and agreement from both parties on what you want to achieve yeah. that's all good but at the end of the day you need one throat to choke one throat to choke that's a good way to finish off one throat to choke yeah well robert i think that's fabulous we've had uh, three good myths and um i think that's a wrap for for, for from at least for myself um no more myths to throw from, from from me to you this week sounds good toby i think that is a wrap okay so as always, thanks to our listeners for taking time to uh, join our podcast. Thanks also for the positive feedback and encouragement that we uh, keep receiving. Um, mergers and acquisitions and divestments are business as usual for Toby and me. So don't hesitate to reach out to either of us if we can help you with your next M&A project. We'll be back next week with another episode. So in the meantime, stay safe. Stay well, and for now, we'll say bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>